0: Would you open God's precious Holy Word to Leviticus 6 A word of explanation You may have noted As Pat did last week And I didn't really pay attention That the Verse numbers Would have gotten off From what your verse numbers are I go by the Hebrew Bible. On occasion, the chapter divisions or the way the verses are numbered will be different from your, your English translation Bible. And when that happens, it's still the st- same stuff. You'll keep seeing it. But my verse numbers will be different and it will start out different uh, tonight. Because in this uh, Leviticus 6, I think I'm starting at a different verse number than what yours will be. Uh, we'll find out here. The offerings, we're going to see some of the same stuff we've already seen. There are five offerings that Yahweh has required of Israel the worshiper is given the instructions in the first part we've seen that the worshiper is instructed what the offering is for how to bring the offering what to bring now is the section where we see practically the same kind of instructions But instead of instructions for the worshiper, these are instructions for the priests. The priests have to be instructed on how they are to receive the offering from the worshiper and how to present it to Yahweh. The element of priesthood is important. Because Yahweh has declared there must be a mediator between himself and the worshiper. It's going to be acknowledged, and we'll see it here, I think, as we begin this, that the priests are just men. So their sins have to be dealt with as well. And they have particular instructions on how Yahweh expects them to make offering and to have atonement made for their sins in the instructions. The book of Hebrews, of course, teaches us that our high priest is perfect. When he makes a sacrifice, he makes the sacrifice of himself, but not for himself, but for others, his own. So, the, the principle of mediatorial priesthood is established. This whole thing is taking us to Christ. Christ becomes a man. There's no way that we could be in the same realm with the Godhead. He's too high. He's too far. He's too much. He's God. But he accommodates himself to flesh. So that he through Christ. His Christ can be with us. So that God in Christ. Can be with us. Can reveal himself. And much of what we all of what we see here in in these in the books of the law come to rest in the person the work the ministry of Christ so when we see that god has established the principle of mediation of a, of a mediator a priest we know that this is This is working in the lives of worshipers who are seeing that in dealing with sin, they have one who is there to mediate between God and man. It would be the responsibility of the priesthood to instruct the worshiper on why this is so. Why they wear the clothes they wear, why they do what they do. Uh, And the greater instruction, of course, through the Old Testament is, is to lead them to the reality of the Christ of God. We have to keep all of this in mind. And the five offerings that we see are all culminated in the great offering that Christ makes. Talk about that more when we get to the absolute end of this section here. But for now let's consider the, this is fairly straightforward. We just look at it and maybe comment on a thing or two here. But the principle in our mind is that God has established some things and there among them are these. He, he chooses He chooses His own to Himself and then reveals to them their condition he doesn't have to do that but he does then in revealing that condition under which they live a condition of sin brokenness broken fellowship God is gracious to provide a way for the worshiper for his own people to have fellowship with him The primary thing that has to be dealt with is sin. The the unholiness of the person, the otherwise unholiness, until by the declaration and through the instruction of Yahweh, through the law in the Old Testament, the people being taught would then be relieved to know that they can have fellowship with their Creator, with their God. That he has provided for them atonement and salvation. It involves of course a sacrifice. And acknowledgement of the fallen condition. And acknowledgement of the fact that something has to die. For the seriousness of sin in a worshiper's life. And the worshiper has to engage that in this early form of of, uh, worship. He has to have a mediator. Someone to stand between God and himself to perform a work that the worshiper could not perform. Further reveals God's willingness then to have a close personal relationship with his own people, with the worshiper's And to reconcile them to himself and to have fellowship with his people. And to provide them the opportunity, the free will, voluntary opportunity to commit themselves completely to their God. All of these things are seen, among other things, but these are some of the major things. The main thing that is seen is this, God is willing to forgive sins. He happily does so. Wipes the slate clean and the worshiper goes away as though it never happened. Through the provision that God makes. Alright, we've seen seen what what the instructions are for the worshiper. Now the instructions for the priest. So let's consider it as we get into Leviticus 6. There are nine paragraphs, nine addresses in this general section. We're going to look at uh, maybe four tonight. But it all consummates into this wonderful picture of God's own enjoying fellowship with their God and being relieved of sin and the penalty of sin by the instruction and direction of God. Maybe now you'll remember the burnt offering. The burnt offering is an offering of commitment. It, it of course, in, in a sense, addresses atonement but the assumption is, as a matter of fact, that this there are three that are, I guess you'd say, voluntary: the burnt, uh, the peace, and the meal offerings. But the sin offering and the trespass offering are required. You you can't stand before God. You can't be among His people if your sins have not been dealt with, covered, forgiven. Something has to die. You have to identify with it. Laying on of hands. Uh, in the instructions that the worshipers are given. In the previous section we've looked at. They have to identify with something in the sense that they're unclean and they've brought an unblemished sacrifice. And laying on of hands is symbolic that they are transferring. They are they are identifying in the sense that they're transferring guilt and sin through confession onto this otherwise unblemished sacrifice which is then killed, slaughtered, completely done away with, destroyed. In the case of the burnt offering, a kind of a voluntary offering, the worshiper comes offering expressing his desire for fellowship and through that desire expressing his unfeigned commitment to God through the burnt offering so that nothing is withheld from God. We've talked about this. Except for the skin, everything is just, it just in a burnt offering it's just sliced open and all the entrails are exposed and nothing is hidden from God in this sacrifice and then it's burned up and it's a sweet smelling savor to Yahweh because the worshiper has come of his own volition expressing his great desire for fellowship and his utter willingness To be absolutely, totally committed and dedicated as a child of God, as as one of God's own. So he offers the burnt offering. Now, okay, let's see what it says here. Yahweh spoke to Moses. Now this is my verse 1. It's like verse, what, 8 to you or something? Something like that. And Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, command Aaron and his sons saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. That is the burnt offering which burns on the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall burn with it. This thing is going to be totally consumed. No one else can have a part of it. They can't, this is one of them, they can't eat from it or anything. This whole thing is consumed because the whole thing is to Yahweh. And the fire of the altar shall burn with it. And the priest shall don his linen tunic and he shall don his linen trousers on his flesh. Way back pre-COVID, we went through Exodus. And and we covered all of that, the, the meaning of the linen and so forth. And I know that you've committed that to memory or you made profuse notes in the margin of your Bible. So you can just make a brief reference back over to that. And he shall lift out the ashes into which the fire has consumed the burnt offering upon the altar and put them next to the altar. Can't stay there, has to move this out. The next person who makes his commitment, it can't be allowed that he puts what he does on top of ashes that were already there. It's just not allowed. And this is the job of the priest. He shall then take off his garments and put on other garments, and he shall take out the ashes to a clean place outside the camp. And the fire on the altar shall burn on it. It shall not go out. The priest shall kindle wood upon it every morning, and upon it he shall arrange the burnt offering and cause the fats of the peace offerings to go up in smoke upon it. This would happen morning and and evening. A continuous fire shall burn upon the altar. It shall not go out. A perpetual fire. You will recall in the book of Exodus that Yahweh is the one who ignited that fire. It's not a thing that man ignited. It's a thing that God ignited. It it reminds me of, of Noah's ark it was God who closed the door and said all opportunities are now over. It's God who ignites the fire and it is is ordered and commanded to be a perpetual thing. As a matter of fact, as I understand it, it continues to be perpetual all the way to the time of Solomon's temple and at the time of Solomon's temple, The fire had to be reignited, but fire from heaven came. The Lord himself again ignited the fire. So this is is the fire of Yahweh. That means that, that Yahweh is directly involved with the process. That he is the one who took the responsibility to instigate this whole thing. Expressing his own desire for his people and his invitation to his people to come To the fire where the offerings may be offered. So this fire shall burn upon the altar and shall not go out. There never ceases to be the opportunity to make an offering to Yahweh. Never. There never ceases to be an opportunity. To come and worship Yahweh. It is a perpetual thing. It goes on and on. It is endless. Yahweh's relationship with His people, the worship of His people to Yahweh, our God, this is an unending and perpetual thing. An unending invitation, an unending willingness to provide atonement to accept commitment, to, um, to forgive sin and trespass. And in our lives, we know this, in our lives, <laughs> we need something kind of like that, and that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is always on duty for us, always. We are in constant need of forgiveness to confess our sin And he has died for us once for all, the book of Hebrews says. He's he's done this once for all. He doesn't have to do it again. But he is the perpetual priesthood at the right hand of the majesty and, and a perpetual reminder that he has died for us. He paid the price for us. So here is a precursor to that. In the perpetual fire, the continual fire that burns here on the altar. It shall burn on the altar, it shall not go out. So, this is the, this is the responsibility of the priesthood the opportunity, the call, the, to, to deal with the specifics of, of uh, sin, dealing with sin and, and with worship. Now, in a in a in a perfect way, our priest is of course Christ. He is our great high priest. So he attends he attends to what is needed to be attended to as our high priest in heaven. Hebrews seven eighty nine gives a description. He's after the order of Melchizedek. He has no father, no no mother, no genealogy, and uh, he ever lives. This is his job. He ever lives to make intercession for his own. So this is the continual fire that burns on the altar. It shall not go out. It is by the design of God that the people of God always have access to God. doesn't matter when it is. And when the people begin to move from one place to another in this point in time, the tabernacle goes with them. It's in the middle and... The tribes around, around the edges of it and it's always there. So to worship God is a perpetual thing. To understand sin, to confess sin, to have sin dealt with, it's, a, it's, a, it's an invitation that is always there that God is perfectly and absolutely willing to forgive sins. Now when we get over there to the the, the sin offering and the, and the trespass offering. One deals with sins that were unintentional. And then discovered. And the other deals with sins that are more or less intentional. So. You, the, the point is that almighty God has it covered for us. He's totally and absolutely willing we are His own. He draws us to Himself and He ever is ready to forgive us our sins. First John 1, if we uh, confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the perpetual fire in a New Testament sense, if you will, that we read about as its, as its uh, precursor, its, its, uh, its type in the Old Testament. Now there's the grain offering This is a voluntary offering A votive offering if you will It's um, it's an offering That is an offering of thanksgiving It would include a thanksgiving It would include another way The wave offering and, And those things And this is This is an offering of gratitude The burnt offering is I am totally committed to Yahweh. Nothing in my life is hidden from him. And as far as it lies within my power and in my understanding, I am Yahweh's child and nothing is hidden from him. That's the burnt offering. Yahweh provides for his people. And that Yahweh would accept us as worshipers, as his own people. He doesn't have to. He could have just left us out there with everybody else. But by his grace, for whatever reason, it's known only to God, really. He's brought us to himself, declared that we are his own. So we should be so moved to offer a sacrifice of gratitude. The wave offering, for example, those things, it's it's a it's a show that God that everything that we have that in our fields, whatever these things God has given, God has provided to us and for us. So this is all God. So this is the grain offering that is offered by worshipers. And he shall lift out of it in his fist from the fine flour of the meal offering and from its oil and all of its frankincense that is on the meal offering he shall cause its reminder to go up and smoke on the altar as a pleasing fragrance to Yahweh. And Aaron and his sons shall eat whatever is left over from it. And some of these sacrifices, we've already seen this but now we see it from the priest's point of view. In some of these sacrifices the priesthood is cared for. They don't have privileges like the others of the other tribes have. When it comes to the land, for example, they don't have a parcel of land that belongs to them. But as priests, they do have designated benefits. And among them is that on, in certain, at certain in certain sacrifices, They can take part of it, eat it as a meal. So, whatever's left over, eaten as unleavened bread in a holy place. They shall eat it in the courtyard of the tent of meeting or in the tabernacle. Now, that's a place where only the priests could go to do something here that only the priests could do. So, this is to Yahweh, according to His word, this is a holy thing. And it's in a holy place. So this is a very special thing, a special provision by Yahweh for, for the Levitical priesthood. It shall not be baked leavened. As their portion I have given it to them from my fire offerings. It is a holy of holies. Like the sin offering and like the guilt offering. Okay. Okay. It is a holy, it is a designated thing God has declared as holy. And probably, generally, it's agreed that this is is a reference to the fact that it is applicable only to the priesthood. So God declares that it is a separated, sanctified thing, a, a holy thing, and this is what they do. Any male among Aaron's sons may eat it. This is an eternal statute for your generations from the fire offerings of Yahweh. Anything that touches them shall become holy. It's in a holy place. It's where the priests can only go. So, you know, you're you're in a heap of trouble. You're in all kind of trouble. If as a non-Levite you were to run through there and bust into the the holy place, into the courtyard where only the priests could go, and say, let me have some of that. that. That won't happen. So it's obvious. It's obvious that the priests acknowledge in this meal that it comes from Yahweh. And that this is a thing distinct for them. And it separates them as priests. And the special job that God has ordained them to do. So therefore... The one who touches is holy, all right? He's separated. He's separate from others. Now, here is something we haven't seen before. The grain offering of the priest. Priest has to have his sins dealt with. He has to have his motivations and his call and all of the things that bring him into the priesthood These things have to be dealt with from the standpoint of a sinner in need of being accepted as a worshiper. Now, Jesus didn't have to do that, but these guys do. So then, this is generally speaking of the high priest. Generally, all right? Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, this is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to Yahweh on the day when one of them is anointed. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a perpetual meal offering, half of it in the morning, half of it in the evening. I mean, the high priest guy, he had to do this all the time. It shall be made with oil on a shallow pan after bringing it scalded and repeatedly baked. You shall offer a meal offering of broken pieces with a pleasing fragrance to Yahweh. And the priest who is anointed instead of him from from among his sons shall prepare it. This is an eternal statute. It shall be completely burnt to Yahweh. You're not, of course, this is from the high priest to Yahweh. There's no way that this is given partially to the Levites or anybody else. This is all Yahweh's. This whole thing belongs to Yahweh. Every meal offering of a priest shall be completely burnt. It shall not be eaten. So the the grain offering, the meal offering that a priest may offer has to be completely consumed before the Lord and obviously cannot be eaten. I think this is the last section we'll look at here. The sin offering. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying. Speak to Aaron and to his sons saying this is the law of the sin offering. The sin offering should be slaughtered before Yahweh in the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered. It is a holy of holies. This becomes This becomes a special separated thing. The priest who offers it up as a sin offering shall eat it. It shall be eaten in a holy place in the courtyard of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. Anything that touches its flesh shall become holy. And if any of its blood is sprinkled on a garment, the area of the garment upon which it has been sprinkled, you shall wash it in a holy place. An earthenware vessel in which it is cooked shall be broken. But if it is cooked in a copper vessel, then it shall be purged and rinsed with water. Now these are just priest; These are priestly instructions. Everything is taken care of. Every male among the priests may eat of it. It is a holy of holies. But any sin offering, some of whose blood was brought into the tent of meeting to make atonement in the holy or in the holy place at the holy thing, shall not be eaten, it shall be burned with fire. So there there are instructions about how to handle, and and something might happen. And if if something happens that really shouldn't have happened, there's an instruction for the priest or the priesthood and how to deal with it. We'll will stop at this point. Does that is that the end of your chapter? Okay, all right. The the, 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 the panorama of the of the whole thing is that God provides for worship from his people. And his people bring some of these offerings voluntarily. Some of them are required. But they understand that they have to go through a priest, through a mediator. This is by design of God. And then the mediator in that old economy there understands his limitations as well. And that even he could, even some things that happened will, will have to be dealt with and he would be responsible for dealing with all those things because it is a holy of holies. It is holy. It is separate. It is, it is the work of the priesthood. So the priesthood then would give would, would demonstrate instruction for the worshiper and these instructions of course would grow in their meaning as as the prophets would speak, the psalmist would write and sing and, and and so forth. And the the beautiful meaning of this of this worship ritual would would crescendo and swell in the hearts and minds of, of worshipers such that when the time for the Christ came, they should have been completely cognizant of what was expected. John the Baptist understood the Lamb of God. There he is. They were called to prepare the way, but of course we know the rest of the Old Testament and the failures that they made. Well, there are still other paragraphs, parts that we'll pick up, God willing, next time on this, and then we'll put it all together. But for now, let's pray, and we'll be through for tonight. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. For your great design of forgiveness of sin. For your provision to us that we might be convicted and thus confess our sin. and Come to you through your appointed way and be covered and atoned for by your appointed Christ, our Savior. Father, I pray that our lives will be enriched as we study more and more about how you have forever and always provided for for worship and for having your own people to come before you, having provided for our forgiveness and our cleansing and help us in our lives today to see how Christ has done all of this for us.